Okay, real talk. When did paying someone back become social media? What do you mean? Like, say I want to see what you're doing and who you're hanging with, and you're not posting about it on your story. I can just stalk your pay app and find out what you're doing. Oh, yeah, that's weird. You do that? No, I don't do that. I use Apple Cash. It's built into your iPhone, easy and secure. You can send and receive money right in messages and keep it between friends, and then use that money to buy something at a store with Apple Pay. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Maybe. Shh. Services are provided by Green Dot Bank, member FDIC. Terms apply. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Scrubbing in with Becca Tilly and Tanya Rapp, an iHeartRadio podcast. Hello, everybody. We are scrubbing in. Scrub-a-dub-dub. We have a very special guest today. We do. This is someone that we really admire. And she lives in Los Angeles with her husband, Kevin, and her two daughters, Violet and Sophia. You may know her from her massive hit song that we sang to you a couple days ago, (laughs) Fight Song. And she is here today to share her story. And in celebration of Mother's Day, she recently just released her latest inspirational track, Girls. And we couldn't be happier to welcome Rachel Rachel Platten. I just have to say, so we officially met at the Angel City soccer game. Mm. And you walked in and I was sitting there with... uh, my friend Kiana and then Tanya and Robbie. And I was like, I just saw the back of your head. And then I saw you sit down next to Lily and you were, I just saw like side of your face. And I was like, that's the most beautiful person. Like you are so (laughs) stunning. Like you have this like beauty that we were like, who is that? And then I was, I looked, I saw your face. I was like, that's Rachel. And I was like, I feel like I know her, but I haven't met you officially. So thank you so much. That means so much to me. I, I'm 42. I just turned 42 last week. And yeah, I, happy belated. Thank yeah, you yeah. so much. I just much. was like, I know her thank birthday you. was around this time. So, and I, and I look in the mirror lately, you know, as a mom of two young girls. And of course I see lines and age things. And, but I'm also really proud of all the lines that tell the stories of what I've been through. And I, and I'm really proud to be like showing my girls an example of aging gracefully and I'm trying not to put anything in my face and not, I used to do that for years. So mm-hmm. no judgment, but I'm yeah. just thank you to yeah. hear that. I, that I'm beautiful is means a lot. 
It's just more than it did when I was in my 30s and like yeah. felt really cocky about, you know, I'm hot. <laughs> well, it's now like I'm like, I'm a mom. Thank you. <laughs> there's an outer beauty like you have beautiful features, but there is a glow about you. Aww. We talk about yeah. the glow. Yeah, you yeah. do. It comes out from inside you. Yeah. Thank you, guys. You, I, be, I believe the same thing about you guys. No, I do. But- I, I have a lot of Botox, so thank you. <laughs> no, but no judgment. I did for years, too. Like, I understand that I was on carpets and, and I, you're on yeah. TV all the time. I mean, it's like. I get it. I get the desire. And and I just had to stop when I was breastfeeding and then just kind of decided, well, if it's not good for my babies, yeah, why should I be doing that to myself? Yeah. And I'm just trying. Who knows? We'll I love see. it. I mean, I like I said, I just I think you're stunning in every way. And we're so excited to have you on because I know you have a story that you want to share. And mm-hmm. Tanya and I, it's a story that we don't relate to. But I think so many people have navigated what you've gone through thank you so much i'm i'm happy to get to share it with you guys yeah because i I also want to like i feel like what you went through before you had your kids you had this crazy massive song fight song was in a league of its own like you said earlier people were writing reports about it like Like kids are writing reports about it in school like it really was it had a life of its own and i feel like Coming off of that, was that like a whirlwind too? Like, was that like a whirlwind just of emotions? Absolutely. It was so hard and confusing and incredible. It was all of my dreams coming true that I had worked on for 13, 14 years and that happened all at once. And we can go into more detail as much as you want, but like that beginning part of my story, just to give people who don't know me and what, you know, my story very, very um, in such a detailed way. I was touring in a van for years and was playing living rooms and small rock clubs and building my short, like fan base just by one by one, you know, selling CDs in the back of my van and suitcases and printing the labels and doing all that. And I was a real indie musician. And then I wrote fight song about not giving up on myself Mm -hmm. because it had been so long and my friends were getting married and having babies and buying houses. And I bought a van and I was just so incredibly determined. And I moved to LA and was writing hundreds of songs because I had a manager come on board and tell me like, look, everything you're doing is great, but it's not really going to get you where you want to go. If you want to reach the world, you need to learn to write a pop song. You need to learn how to communicate with the world. And that's through craft and honing your craft. So I came to LA and basically did like 500 sessions and finally was just getting so tired and sad and scared and you know doubting myself but just had this inner grit wrote fight song in one of those moments of tears pouring down and determined not to give up on myself and it came out and still no one really listened or cared and then a year later was finally when it uh, exploded and that was because of a radio station playing it and then it got shazam so it was like this strange circumstance that and then my life changed overnight so like it came out in january sorry in may in january like Shazam to number one. And then I was signed within like a week. And then I, and all the labels had rejected me, by the way, like so many times they knew me. They were like, Rachel Platten. Yeah. That bitch. (laughs) Didn't we say no? Like so many, I'm like, I won't go away. (laughs) And, um, within a month I was on stage at the radio Disney music awards. I'd never been on TV before. Yeah. I actually, 
we, was, we that's what I think when we met. We met there. Yes. Yeah, so that's actually the the award show that I met F- Sophia and Paulina as well. Oh, cool. We were sitting front row and we were jamming out to your <laughs> song. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was so nervous. I had never done anything like that. And um, a couple weeks after that, I was on stage with Taylor Swift and it was just like this nuts ride out of nowhere. I didn't know how to I didn't know how to process it or understand it for yeah. so long. Everyone was ignoring me and my music right. and I was used to that. So to all of a sudden, I mean, you guys are very, very familiar with that onslaught of attention and then how it can go away. And you have it's just this wave that you mm-hmm. have to learn to ride and not take so seriously. But the first time it happens, it's pretty devastating. Like the swell of attention and then the withdrawing of attention mm-hmm. is really can take your ego for a huge ride where you're where you're believing mm-hmm. that you're but I even think it's more than ego. I think it can like really mess with you in a mental capacity because if yes. you're not like assured of yourself and you're not yes. a confident person. Yes. Because when you are, when you're saying you're at that that level where every where that you know you had that song that everybody wants and they want you to do this interview and this interview and this show and this show and you're like spread so thin that you mm-hmm. can't even like you can't even catch up. Totally. And then all of a sudden when it starts to simmer, it's like this total I don't know. I don't want to say mind mind f. Oh, I'm not supposed to swear. Well, no, it's yeah. okay. But like, I won't. You know what I mean? Yeah. No. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. It was really confusing. It was really confusing, and it was. Wait, am I not good anymore? And then I had another. Thank God, like a number number one, another number one. But then, what am I supposed to do after that? Like, then I was supposed to follow it up somehow. How do you follow up the most monstrous song like that? People didn't even know it was me. Yeah. I just did a TikTok recently. It went kind of viral, and it was like addressing the fact that people think that it's Katy Perry or Taylor Swift or, or Kelly Clarkson or anything but me. They're just like, wait, who are you? You So Kelly wrote that for you or you wrote that for Katy? And then she sang it. You guys, this happens to me all the time. And I'm now, I just think it's funny. Like I'm a mom of two now and I'm like, no dude, it's me. Like, right. hey, like, what up? Like, I don't care. Yeah. yeah. But it was, um, it was just such a bizarre explosion of attention that I wasn't ready for. I didn't know how to process. And I got there ironically by being so myself and believing in myself so much and like being the same girl that was this gritty, you know, rock star playing in fans, really the star is born kind of thing. Like, you know, singing on singing um, literally in living rooms when I couldn't get gigs. And, and then when I was there, all of a sudden I thought I had to be this other way to maintain the success. Mm -hmm. And then I started to kind of lose myself Mm -hmm. and lose that inner fire and inner inner confidence, which is so ironic because I was on stage singing to thousands and thousands of people like, yeah, Believe in yourself, yeah. believe in yourself exactly as you are. And meanwhile, I thought I had to change um, to be the person that people were listening to. So it was a real mind F. Yeah. I yeah. do. You know, the I, I don't know. Is it Noah Khan? 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 Yeah. Singer. Do you know his music? I he I, he yeah, released. Um, yeah. Stick season was like a viral moment, but yeah. he's been um, creating music for a very long time and had a viral moment on with this album stick season and he just recently wrote about how coming down from like this unexpected influx of attention and success has almost crippled him with like being able to write again and I was wondering if you relate to that because it's like you have this massive moment and then you're like ready to write the next songs and you're like nothing's good enough (laughs) like have you felt that yes and no so I for me, songwriting 
has always been the one thing in this industry that I have this, I know my ability. Mm -hmm. Like I pretty much wrote fight song by myself and I wrote stand by you, the bulk of it myself. And I, I know, like I might doubt my voice. I might doubt my stage presence or my looks or my this or my that, but I just, it's that one thing, you know, that you know about yourself. Like Uh I doubt if I'm a good mom. I doubt if I'm a nice friend sometimes, but I just never doubt my songwriting. So whether it was naive or not, after that, I was like, oh, I'm going to go. I'm the shit. I can, I yeah. can recreate that. I need to stop swearing. I'm so sorry. No, That's you're okay. fine. Okay. I just, you we want you them. to be free. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I was not intimidated by it, strangely. I should have been. No. But, well, probably because what, what happened was I went into the next record. And you guys let me know if it's too much about that period of life and you want to get to this more quickly. No, but, okay. I think this is a part, of your, part of your story. life. Yeah. yeah. So I went into that next cycle after coming down from this world tour and these this explosion being like, well, yeah, I'll just um, I'll do that again. And I will. But I don't want to I don't want to be the self-help person anymore. I'm sick of being the empowerment queen. Interesting. I didn't want it. It was too much. It was so intense. Pressure. People would come up to me in meet and greets and they would cry in my arms and they would show me their cuts on their wrist and oh they would say I didn't gosh. I didn't kill myself because of your music I, I you have saved my life and it was so beautiful and when it was happening slowly in a trickle in the beginning it was the most unbelievable thing mm-hmm. but by the end I didn't even know how to hold it all I was yeah. losing myself and then started to buy into the fact like well I'm really special I must be really special and it wasn't me it wasn't ever me it was God working through me and you know it was and I started to believe it was me yeah and that's a dangerous thing for an artist yes. to believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I went into that next cycle, I was pretty inflated, like thinking like, well, I'm I'm pretty much, you know, amazing, amazing. Yeah. And I <laughs> save people's lives. And that was not that was not how I got those songs. That was through the humility and the openness to creativity and letting the channel come through. Mm-hmm. So good. So I forgot how to do that in a way. And I wrote another record and I still I still am a great songwriter. I'm, I'll give myself my flowers. Like I can craft a wonderful pop song, but they didn't hold the same power and the same gravitas, t- gravitas. And the thing that you almost can't explain what it is about when a song heals you and makes you feel mm-hmm. like you're not alone and, and is expresses something that you've had a hard time expressing. Um, and it, I don't, I don't think it had, it was fun mm-hmm. and I love the record and it's fun. It's a fun dance record and there's like great pop songs, but it did not do what the record before did. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that was because I purposely was like, I'm taking off this crown of self-help and anything that got close to that in writing sessions where it was a little bit empowering. I, I said, no, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to encourage anyone. I, so- I'm done. Can you <laughs> no encouragement. That? I'm only dancing. Literally. I was like, I just want to be cool. I just want to be like, who is, I want to be like Halsey or something yeah. or, who else was cool at the time? I don't know. Because I wasn't, you know, Fight Song was like so, and Stand By You was the same message and Better Place. My singles were all so heartwarming. And mm-hmm. and I was not getting invited to like Coachella, which I don't give a shit about right, now. But like right. at the time I was yeah. like, why can't I be part of that? And, you know, no one really needed that from me. There was enough artists doing that. Mm-hmm. Other right, thing. right. It's so interesting how like you always want what is not yes. yours. Yes. Yeah. And now, in every aspect of life. Yes, Tanya. Yeah. Yeah, you always look to the side. and Because don't you imagine those other artists were hearing fight songs being like, I wish I could make people feel empowered yeah. in their darkest moment. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine that probably some were. Yeah, yeah I, for sure. I can't believe. 
I was just so confused. Yeah. And it was yeah. so scary, all of it. And it was so much to hold. And I think in a way, I think the word sabotage is too strong, but I think in a way I was trying to like step away from it a little bit. Mm-hmm. A- but you know, I think about this all the time because I've seen it. I've been in this industry for 13 years and I've yeah. seen these artists that come up so fast and like, yeah, everybody wants to work with them. They're, they have the number one, number two songs in the country. And it's like, and then, you know, like uh, Iggy Azalea is another good example. Like she, w- everybody wanted to work with her. Everybody wanted to be here. She was mm-hmm. the bee's knees. Yep. And then all of a sudden it just like, it does. It just fades away. It's just yeah. the cycle of like how it goes. But like when you have so much coming at you for that period of time and then yeah. it goes away, it's like, I do think there's just like a lot of damage that's done yeah. Yeah. on on somebody's mental health from all that. I think you're so right. I think it was more and than also, I And also like realized. a lot of people too are very young when this stuff happens. So that's even more traumatic. Thank God I was 33 yeah. and had a real grasp of who I am at mm-hmm. least. And yeah. I was married and happily married. I still am. And <laughs> so I had a real support base. But even with that, like yeah. how devastating must it be for teenagers and people in their young 20s? Because even as a 33-year-old married woman yeah. with a healthy family around me, I it would, took a humongous toll on yeah. my self-worth and understanding who I am and, and well, do I have value in the world anymore mm-hmm. if I'm not valuable in that way? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's a lot more to the story, though. Well, so that's a good place to take yeah. a break. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. <laughs> Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. It took me a while to figure out my mom is more than the mom stuff she did for me. The laundry, cooking, and driving. She's got a whole life outside of motherhood. My mom moved to the United States of America, did not know English, learned English, rode her bike to Long Beach State to get her degree so that she could... I mean, she is literally like my hero. My shero. Shero, for sure. That's amazing. Well, this Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why I'm sending my mom farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And we got you 25% off your entire Books purchase so that you can send some too. Here's why we love the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farm so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. Books has modern designs and unique flowers that you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. You go online, pick a delivery date, and you're done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Go to books.com and use promo code SCRUBBING for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com promo code SCRUBBING. Books.com promo code SCRUBBING. Rakuten is a rewarding way to shop and save because members earn cash back on everything that they buy. Rakuten is a shopping platform that partners with over 3,500 stores across every category like beauty, clothing, electronics, pets, and more. 
You're already shopping at your favorite stores like Macy's, Best Buy, Petco. So why not be saving while doing it? It's a no brainer. Rakuten is the easiest and smartest way to find the best deals and savings. And every time I visit Rakuten.com, I'm always shocked by the thousands of brands that are featured. Me too. Did you know that Ticketmaster is one of those brands? So next time you're trying to see your favorite artist live, you can earn cash back when buying tickets with Rakuten. And the best part, membership is free and it's easy to sign up. Plus, cashback rates change daily so you can keep checking to find the best deal. The stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the commission with its members. You can get paid via check or PayPal quarterly. Rakuten has 17 million members who are already saving and their members have earned over $4.6 billion in cashback. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app to start saving today. Your cashback really adds up. All right. We are back. So you mentioned your husband. You've been married for... You got married in 2010? Yeah. So you've been married for 13 years? Yeah. That's crazy. See that math? That was quick. (laughs) Great math, Tanya. That was faster than I was going to do. Good job. She was like, how long has it been? Um, Navigating this with a partner, what was it like? I mean, I know you said he was a support system, but was there a moment when you were like... Going through the the wave, riding the wave and coming off of the wave where you were just kind of like, how did he handle it as a as a partner? He was incredibly supportive and incredibly excited for me. But something that did start happening, if I'm just being so honest, is that. I feel a little embarrassed talking about this, but it's the truth. So I I feel like I know where you're going you start kind of treating everyone around you like they work for you because everyone around you often when you're reaching that height does kind of just work for you. Like all of a sudden your circle is your assistant, your publicist, your <laughs> label, your, and you're surrounded by people and you're like, wait, where is my normal life again? And so my husband started to feel like, dude, I'm not your assistant. Like if I'm on a, if I'm on a thing with you, like don't ask me for coffee or like just, you know, and so we started to have trouble because he was, I think like diva reach kind of came out and I was never like that. I'm from Boston. I'm very grounded. I'm like a Sox fan. I'm like, what's up guys? And that was not who I am. But like being thrown into that, I all of a sudden was like, I guess I'm supposed to act this way. Everyone was kind of treating me like I'm supposed to act that way. Yeah. So he and I, it was tough for him. He was like, who is this new Rachel? Like where did my, you know, but he never made me feel guilty. I've just now in the aftermath and since coming back down to earth, and having babies and regrounding can look back and be like, A, have compassion for myself because yeah. my goodness, who could handle that? I don't yeah. know. I did a pretty good job with that, no, like considering what it was. But at the same time, I can also understand and I've done some apologies mm-hmm. around me, the people that I love the most. Like, hey, I'm really sorry if mm-hmm. I lost myself there for a little while. If I, you know, treated you the way that I would never want to treat anyone, you know, I, I'm sorry. So he, I think, struggled a little bit with that. But then um, as, you know, we went into the next phase of our life and having children, it's we've healed so much and it's been really beautiful. I love that. I think he was confused, too. You know, like, yeah, he was excited. We were like on stage as the ball was dropping in New York in Times Square. And we were we went all around the world and we did all these crazy things. And like he was he's from Miami and he's kind of like a party boy. So he was like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was living it up. He was having more fun than I was, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, great. Just don't ask me to get coffee. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys started having kids in 2019. 
Is that right? <laughs> I see here. Okay. 2019. Yeah, I got pregnant in 2018. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then you uh, gave birth in 2019 and in 2021. Yeah. And I want to talk about something that you experienced after child. Was it with both kids? With both kids. Yeah. Was is postpartum depression? Yes. Because a lot of I have a couple people in my life that have experienced it, and I've done my research. Obviously, I know what it is, but I don't think it's anything you can really understand until you've gone through it. Oh. And I don't know that there's enough conversations being had. I think it's something that before you're a mother, you almost think about as like this, I don't know, it's not going to happen to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so far away. And why do I have to pay attention to that? And and it's almost like then when you're pregnant, my goodness, you don't want to listen to it. Like you don't want to hear about it. I remember reading a book called The Fourth Trimester that my best friend got me in preparation for having the baby. And the fourth trimester is what they call the first three months after the baby Mm -hmm. arrives, because strangely, the human um, baby is actually born like, in essence, three months premature. And they need to rely on the mother for everything, whereas other any other animal is born like being able to eat and walk. Mm -hmm. So the baby's like really reliant on the mom and it's a very intense time. And is that the when fourth. the postpartum depression, it's those three months after birth. It's like really pretty much any time from it birth. could be any time from the birth until like up to a year. It can, it can come on and it can be very subtle and sneaky and you cannot totally know what's happening because of the hormones and because you're a new mom and you're tired anyway. Mm-hmm. And so you can kind of just think, Oh, well this, maybe I'm just tired or I'm a new mom and, my body's not the same and my body hurts and maybe it's that and I'll get back to normal soon, but it's a way more intense thing. And, um, yeah. And I can go into like how, how I got diagnosed with her or what happened. If yeah. you want. Yeah. I, well, I want to, how soon after you had your first daughter, Violet, Violet, mm-hmm. How soon after that did you start feeling like, cause obviously you're experiencing everything. Yes. But like, when did you kind of have a moment like, okay, this isn't going away. So the first couple weeks I, I was having trouble sleeping. Um, I'm since touring and since like being in different time zones every day, I started to like develop a little bit of trouble with sleeping mm-hmm. after flying around the world so much and the pressure of having to be on. It was just like something that started to get troublesome for me. And really I should have gotten help, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know enough. And I was in this mode of like all natural and very LA and like not to put it down, but now I have an understanding that it's both East and West. Yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. Um, But um, so I was like not taking anything or not really helping myself other than like meditating and geez. (laughs) So, (laughs) So, I was kind of like, oh, I'll be okay, you know, but this not sleep was what I now know is like one of the first symptoms is the insomnia is your hormones just and then and the nervousness just keeping you up and um, making it impossible for your brain and your nervous system to calm down. And birth is a really crazy thing that happens. And I did both of my births um, um, vaginally and my second one was all natural at home. But the first one was in a hospital and it was a little bit traumatic. And so there was some trauma that mm-hmm. I was dealing with from the hospital birth and like processing. And I just kind of thought, Oh, this is just, I'm a new mom. I mean, this is normal. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was crying a lot. I kind of then recovered and was good and had such a blissful couple of months with my baby, with my newborn baby Violet. And it was so sweet and we'd walk to the park and it was so lovely. But I went on tour, um, when she was three months old Oh wow! and I don't know why. I don't know what it was. I feel like it maybe was this 
A, I'm the breadwinner, so it was like mm-hmm. a financial decision. But I think that it was also this refusal to believe that my baby would change anything. Yeah. And this almost like determination to show myself and show the world like, no, I'm still a rock star. I'm still going to be the same. My life's the same. I mean, nothing changes you more. Yeah. It's a fundamental change in who you are on a cellular level. And I just didn't want it to be so. And so it wasn't until I was on tour and playing to like 15,000 people a night and then coming home to breastfeed and my breast milk started to dwindle. And that really set it off. Like the breast milk um, drying up for some reason at that moment made me feel like a complete failure as a mother. And it was devastating. And I would cry after like, you know, getting applauded by thousands and thousands of people. I would cry in bed at night on the tour bus and like squeeze my boobs to try to get milk out. And it was so devastating. And finally, um, the nanny that was with us was like, Rachel, you have to start supplementing with supplementing with formula. Like the baby's going to lose weight and it's dangerous. And I was just, I was almost like fixated on this one thing mm-hmm. that now looking back, my God, like, of course, yeah. it's no big deal to feed your baby. Yeah. However you can feed your baby, feed your baby. But I was devastated. I felt like a failure. I'm such a perfectionist in so many areas of my life. And I just wanted to do this so right. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sleeping very well on the tour bus and, she w- she was waking up every three months, sorry, three hours to feed. And it was just a recipe for like, I don't know who would who would be OK. It was it was not a supported moot like decision. I mm-hmm. wish that I had had a better support team around me at that time, like a therapist or just God, at the minimum, a therapist yeah. to help me make that decision. Um, But I think it was also coming off of like the roller coaster of being on top and then the second record not doing well. It was almost like I have to. Do I this. have to do this. Yeah. It's my time. Like I can't let too much time. Yeah, yeah. Go by. I you have to, the momentum. The momentum. I yeah. have to be this while people still know who I am. And oh, I want to hug that little Rachel so much. Mm. I just want to hug her and be like, "Oh, Rachie, honey. Oh, you just created life. You created something so much more powerful <laughs> than music. Like, my goodness, take a break. Take some time. Like, you have so much more ahead. I wish that I could hold her and." Tell her that she's enough in that moment and like spend time, nest with your baby. Mm-hmm. The world will be there. Music will be there. Yeah. But I didn't know that. And it just got really, really bad when I was on tour. I wasn't sleeping and I started having real insomnia. Like just I was up for like a whole night without a wink of sleep and then playing to thousands of people and then trying to breastfeed and then the whole cycle repeating itself and going to radio stations. And like I just became a shell of myself and my husband was worried. My friends were worried. And finally, thank God, I called my friend Gabby Bernstein, who is oh, a yeah. amazing We've had her on the author. podcast. Yeah. Oh, really? yeah. yeah. <laughs> she saved my life twice. She literally, I, I, I could cry thinking about how much of a difference she made in my life. But she was such a good friend. And I told her what I was going through. And she said, baby, you have postpartum depression. It's, it's what I have right now, too. I can understand the symptoms. I'm telling you, go get help now. Like, do you have a therapist? Get a therapist. Do you have, are you on medicine? Get medicine. Like, do what you need to do. Take care of yourself. This is what's going on with your body. And I sobbed in recognition of all the things she was telling me and explaining. And and one of the things was that wasn't so extreme, but was this feeling that I was not enough for my baby. Like, and it came from not being able to feed her, but it was like, don't leave her with me. Like, I'm not good enough at this. I don't Mm -hmm. know what to do. Like, I can't calm her down. I can't get her to stop crying. Someone else take her. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not. And I'd have these terrifying fears 
which is another symptom of postpartum or like just imagining horrible things happening to her and feeling so scared. So Gabby pointed out that probably was what was happening. And it felt like this humongous sigh of relief, like in a way, like, okay, okay, okay. I understand. Yeah. I can get help now that I know that there's something actually going on. You had mentioned there there were things that you were scared of as far as like things to do to help, right? Were you scared? Were there any things that you were like scared of taking like medicine or was yeah. there? The first time with Violet, I did not want to be on any antidepressants or anything. I was still in this mindset of like, let me be all natural. Mm-hmm. So I know it well. Yeah, oh girl. <laughs> I know it well. <laughs> And LA really doesn't help us with it. Like no. It really makes you feel like but there's But I a- think that I have like a little bit of a, um, like I, I definitely want to do the best that I can before I take the meds, yes. but I'm not opposed. Like I'm not so yes. anti. Mm-hmm. That's exactly that. That I think is, should be all of our yeah. best practices mm-hmm. is like do your best because often you can reverse it as, you know. Yeah. And then if it's not working, that other option is there for a reason. Yes. It's all from God. Like, but I yeah. also think the postpartum is like a whole different, because that is, that's hormones. That's like a lot of stuff that like, I don't, I mean, you could eat all the blueberries in the world <laughs> and it could not supplement the right hormone. You know what Dude. I mean? So it's just like, I think there's levels of, of like where it can go. You are so smart and right on. That's true. It's hormonal. Yeah. So it's literally like your period happening, like the, the, day of your period when you're just I actually am about to get my period in like two days and I was crying last night and I was like what is wrong with me and I always forget every month <laughs> I'm like too. oh I I just, everyone hates me yeah, I can't do anything just, right I'm so ugly <laughs> <laughs> and then you get period and like oh my god girl what were you so upset about yeah but I um it's that times like a thousand and it's just hormonal and so you're right like you actually just need your hormones balanced and the mm-hmm. levels balanced the first time with postpartum though it wasn't as extreme and I was getting filled up by the crowds every night like I do love being on stage more than anything in the world and so I was really feeling a sense of purpose Mm -hmm. and it was beautiful so I think that there was a little bit of a boost I was getting even though it was also really hard to be performing at the same time Mm -hmm. um it was healthy in a way that with my second child Sophie I didn't have that it was the pandemic and I was isolated and alone and that was a recipe for like very extreme depression. So um, with Violet, I was able to heal from just getting acupuncture and these Chinese herbs that my acupuncturist gave me and thought they were, and I had an incredible therapist Mm -hmm. and that alone got me um, through it. Yeah. So I recovered pretty quickly actually and started writing music again and found- What's quickly though? Like weeks or months? um, Months. Yeah. Good question. Like it it started around June and the, the summer tour lasted- from May until like the end of August. And so we were on the bus for like four and a half, four months. And then when I got home, I started to heal pretty quickly. We moved to this little beautiful beach house in Venice that was mm-hmm. like a little shack. And it was so like cabin. My husband's like, don't call it a shack, Rachel. It's very <laughs> offensive. <laughs> Let's <edit> that out. <laughs> it's a little beach cabin. And um, it was just really healing. I was biking every day to a yoga studio and going into the ocean and like, doing all the LA things, mm-hmm. meditating and like saging and drinking green juices. And like, it was beautiful. And yeah. I really did heal myself like that. Yeah. And um, one, one baby, it's not so bad. 
like one baby, you have help, you have a husband. Yeah. It's doable. Yeah. Enter the second baby. Oh my fucking God. <laughs> oh my God. There is a lake, my Lord. But I feel like I've heard people explain postpartum depression in like various different ways. And like, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I obviously it's not the same for everybody. But did you ever have these feelings of, um, I don't know how to say it, but like the the morning of your life before you had kids. Oh, yes. Thank you for bringing that up. How do you explain that? Like, what is it? You you just, yeah. it's not like you regret having a baby, no, but you but just mourn the life that you had before yes. you had the baby. Yeah, that's true. I haven't really thought about that, but that is def. That was definitely part of it. It was like this underlying. You're missing the freedom. I mean, everything becomes about the baby, and it's beautiful. Like you can't in even way. go to the bathroom without. No, in the beginning, I mean, yeah. No, and I didn't know enough to get the kind of help that I was able to have with the second. Like it was just me and my husband on the bus for a while, and then we had a nanny come, and mm -hmm. like, but you know. Yeah, you are on 24-7. You are needed and your body is not your body. Like your body is a vehicle for feeding your baby and like cuddling your baby and helping your baby. And you go from like, and I was 37 when I had her. So I had spent a lot of my life, like almost four decades in control of my mm -hmm. body. And like, and I, and I did mourn it. I did mourn the loss of the maiden, you know, they say, and the, the woman that was free and could fly around the world whenever she wanted and like wake up whenever she wanted and and just decide what I wanted to do with my body when. Um, that was really hard and confusing because also you're eating certain things. You're not injecting your face with things. You're, yeah. you're avoiding sushi. You're avoiding things that are, sorry, that's when you're pregnant. Um, <laughs> I ate a lot of sushi breastfeeding. <laughs> but you're, um, yeah, you have to really, everything you're putting in your body is going to go into your milk. Mm -hmm. So you're making, and I'm, I eat very clean and was a very, like living very clean, but still there were things that I was avoiding. And like my, my daughter was allergic to fish. So I was avoiding fish and I can love fish. Yeah. Oh my God, my swears. And no. <laughs> I just was like, oh, yeah, I, I don't know if that I have the most elegant way to put it other than it's the most beautiful change. And it's also so humongous and no one can prepare you for it mm -hmm. and the sepia toned pictures on instagram and like the beautiful reels of the quiet you know beautiful white like room with the baby all clean like that is so unrealistic and it, i think it's harmful for new moms and it's really can be heartbreaking when you face the reality of what mm -hmm. it looks like the first couple weeks i've had so many friends since text me like what the dick is going on. I'm in diapers. I'm bleeding. My body's a mess. I did not bounce back. I still look six months pregnant. My baby's not sleeping. What is happening to my body? I'm getting chills at night. When your milk comes in, you have, it feels like you have a flu. It's like, there's all these things no one tells women. And so it's shocking if you're not prepared. And oh my God, four times. I feel so bad in no, a way. That's why I don't want to no, talk. No, it's so, no, I'm, I, it's so brave and it's so honest and it's so needed. And like, I do, I, I mean, I've heard people say that they, that they had moments where they would look like, you know, you, you think every time you look at your baby and everybody posts those, those, this is the happiest I've ever been. I've never loved anything. You know, like, it's like what you say, what you see on Instagram, but I've, I've talked to women who have had postpartum depression where they look at their baby and there's nothing. They feel nothing like they just feel like no connection, no connection. Yeah. So heartbreaking. I, I think God did not. That wasn't one of the symptoms because they can all be different. Like, yeah. thank God, I felt a deep, deep love for mm -hmm. her and a deep connection and desire to be the right mom for her. And like, but I did feel an inadequacy as her mom. 
but I never felt like not the connection of love. And um, I can imagine my heart breaks for moms that feel that because that is also not your fault. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. That is also hormonal. And like, it is literally just your fight or flight mechanism kicking in saying you aren't safe in this role. Yeah. Run. Yeah. Like this isn't safe for you. And so it's hard to understand it from the outside, but because I've faced so much of it, I can even understand that feeling. I, I was so in love with Violet and so in love with Sophie and thank God. But I, um, yeah, how heartbreaking. Yeah. So when you had Sophie, you, you said it was during the pandemic and you were isolated and there was just like, and then adding on to all of a sudden being a mother of one child to two children. Oh my Lord. Was that <laughs> postpartum depression worse the second time? Yeah. I mean, we were all living through the worst thing, you know, yeah. we were isolated yeah. and alone. And we were missing the, the things that fill us up that we take so much for granted, mm-hmm. like contact and hugs. And I'm such a, I'm an extroverted introvert, but I like love people. And I've, and I missed my family so much there on the East coast. And anyway, I had Sophie in my bedroom. It was the most beautiful birth. It was very healing from my last birth. Um, I also, right before I had Sophie started to write some of the best music of my life. And it had come out of the pain and the trauma Mm -hmm. of postpartum with Violet. And I, we moved to this, very like they felt like a sanctuary in the valley and it was just really healing to be mm-hmm. there too and have our own little safe space and I had a studio that is I have this beautiful Spanish house and a beautiful studio and it felt like these gigantic trees in my yard and I was you know kind of I just felt really inspired yeah and this music started coming again and I was I was really grateful I didn't know that it would come and I was welcoming it and on a roll it felt like the faucet turned on (laughs) my god I can't believe I have more to say and more to share with the world and then I got pregnant kind of without meaning to and it was very quick and I feel grateful for that I know women really struggle with Mm -hmm. that so I am grateful but it was also a big surprise and Mm -hmm. I wasn't totally ready I thought that I was going to be writing the rest of my record and my husband and I, just one time, one baby time, <laughs> we were like, well, I mean, we're going to start trying in like four months anyway. I might as well. I mean, what's going to happen? And Sophie was like, hi, wow. I'm going to happen. <laughs> so I got pregnant without meaning to. I found out on New Year's Eve of 2020 that I was pregnant. And we were like, what the <laughs> <That> plot twist? <laughs> and put the record on hold because I got so sick with that pregnancy. Oh my God. I had the worst symptoms and I gained 70 pounds. It was brutal. <laughs> it was like, I was just so nauseous all the time and like eating bagels all day long to try to not be nauseous. And it wasn't like, I wasn't the most like ele- elegant, like cute pregnant woman. <laughs> like who are those women? Oh, I don't yeah. know. I see I it too. And I'm like, it is, it is. <laughs> Oi. Admirable. Oy, I know. I don't know. So I had Sophie. Um, it was a hard pregnancy. I was really mourning not being able to continue writing because the creativity just sapped me. Like the pregnancy yeah. took all of my creation ability and put it into creating a life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And that was 2021 when you had her. 2021, I had her in September. And now you feel like you're finally coming out of it. So Sophie was, yeah, that was just the the most um, beautiful birth and then the most drastic. Like it was, I was on top of the world. I felt like I could do anything. And I 
felt like a warrior and it was the most incredible thing to birth your baby in your bedroom, you guys. It's the most unbelievable experience. As a woman, you're like, I can do anything. Women are incredible. Yeah. Um, and actually, my new song that I have out now is was a little, I keep forgetting to mention that, but it was also like this love letter to women and girls in general, but I think it was born from my ability to be amazed at myself. Like, yeah. Look what I did. Look what I could do. So Not I had- Girls. Girls, yeah. Yeah. Um, we, let's see, we had a lot of support. We had a lot of help, um, but I started not sleeping again. And that's just what happens to my body hormonally. Like I just was in shock. My body was, it was a 72 hour birth. Oof. It was traumatic and intense, but it'd be beautiful and incredible. And I wasn't sleeping during that time because I was having contractions the whole time. So I would be jarred and woken up from sleep. And like, so my body was already exhausted having run a marathon basically. And then um, I couldn't come down. Like my body didn't know how to come down. And when my milk came in, it was a lot of extra hormones and it was terrifying. And the worst thing was that I had almost kind of ignored that it could happen again. Cause I thought it was so situational. Like mm -hmm. I was like, Oh, I just had postpartum because I was on a tour bus mm -hmm. and playing in front of thousands of people. And that was a trigger. That's not going to happen this time. I'm going to be home. Mm -hmm. and, or like I already did. I already did, I already it. did that. Yeah. Like I healed. Like yeah. I'm good. Mm -hmm. I have support. I have a therapist. Um, so when it came on, it was extremely devastating and like, it was felt really like a failure. I felt really like, wow, I can't believe this is happening again. And I was so sad. And this time it was very extreme. And this is two years ago, almost now. Um, I think there was one time when I didn't sleep at all for like three and a half days. And I probably should have gone to a mental hospital, to be honest. Like I, but Again, thank God for Gabby. I should call mm -hmm. her after. Um, I called Gabby again and she was like, oh, baby. Okay. This time, go get some Ativan mm -hmm. immediately. That will put you to sleep. And I had never taken pharmaceuticals like that ever in my life. But I was so desperate that that's where I think Western medicine is incredible. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. when Eastern medicine, the, gent the more gentler way, and you are desperate and mm -hmm. you are like, your life is on the line. Like, thank God. God, that there was something that could just knock me out and yeah. finally get me to sleep like a horse tranquilizer, <laughs> just like, so I got some prescribed medication and got on Zoloft. Thank God for Zoloft and started seeing a psychiatrist and really took it seriously mm -hmm. along with therapy and exercise and meditation and all the other things. And that tool was a lifesaver. Those tools were a lifesaver. I got to sleep, but it was brutal. Like it was a brutal battle. It was about six months of just mm -hmm. this fight for my sanity and my life and my, you know, my light. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think these conversations are so important because I think they're, like you said, there's this certain, there's this empowerment of becoming a mom. I'm assuming of like birthing a child, raising a child, creating a child. And you think, I am so strong to be able to do that. I don't need to ask for help with all this other stuff going on. And I don't think, I just feel like. And also I, like, don't even know how to. Well, like, yeah, that's what I'm know? saying. Like how to, where, where to do go? I even start yes. with like helping myself? Right. And it's, totally. I think you were saying like, we're not, there still needs to be so many more conversations, but I feel like for the first time in recent years, because for a long time, social media was such a highlight. No one talked about anything bad. Right. And I feel like finally there's vulnerability in sharing 
your story and like the hard parts. And I think it's giving people insight into the imperfect world of becoming a mom. It's not just this. And maybe for some people it is this blissful and it's easy and whatever. But yeah, majority of people, there's this challenge that comes after that comes within the beauty of becoming a parent. And I think it's so important for people who are like in the thick of it to hear someone like you say, I didn't even think it could happen to me again. Mm. And I had to seek out all options to just survive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also hearing you talk about it is so important because I think some women may not even want, you know, they might not even want to tell anybody, not even tell their partner, like, just be like, I got this, I got this, you know, and just stay in this, 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 this shell of themselves and they're only getting worse. And it's just like a really tough spot to be in. Yeah. You're so right. I think we we're all strong women, you know, mm-hmm. the three of us and your listeners, I imagine, are you know, women who admire women like you. And um, and we are also taught to endure so much and shut down a lot of the like helpless part because of the world today and what we're supposed to project and how we're supposed to be in the world. And um, it is confusing to ask for help when that happens because you feel like such a failure um, and you don't understand where to look either. Mm-hmm. And especially if you were in this kind of mindset of like lulled into this mindset of like, I can heal my, I should be able to heal myself naturally. And that's morally superior, which is a beautiful place to be because believe me, like it's incredible to be able to meditate and calm your system down and get rid of a headache or like get rid of anxiety through a meditation. But when it comes to something that's very severe, like, I was so, it was such a hard decision for me to start medication. I was devastated about it and so confused and didn't want to harm my baby because I was still breastfeeding and it saved my life. So like I now look back on that and wish that I could reach out to younger Rachel too and be like, baby, this isn't forever. This is a season. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to come off of this yeah. and and get the help that you need, get the scaffolding so that you can work on the building. Like yeah. you can't even work on the building without the building blocks that allow you to do the work. Cause the work that I was doing with my therapist wasn't even landing. Cause my hormones were all over the place and I wasn't sleeping and I was terrified of everything. It took me a while to figure out my mom is more than the mom stuff she did for me. The laundry cooking and driving. She's got a whole life outside of motherhood. My mom moved to the United States of America, did not know English, learned English, rode her bike to Long Beach State to get her degree so that she could. I mean, she is literally like my Whoa. hero, my shiro. Yeah. Shiro for my shiro. sure. That's amazing. Well, this Mother's Day, give mom her flowers. She deserves the best. That's why I'm sending my mom farm fresh flowers from Books. That's short for bouquets. And we got you 25% off your entire Books purchase so that you can send some too. Here's why we love the Books company. Books is different. Their flowers are cut fresh and sourced directly from the best flower farms, so they last way longer. They even have flowers grown on the side of a volcano. Books has modern designs and unique flowers that you can't find anywhere else. Books is simple. You go online, pick a delivery date, and you're done. Mother's Day is May 12th. Don't miss the chance to thank your mom. Order your books now. And with 25% off, you can send some to mom, wife, aunt, and even grandma. Go to books.com and use promo code SCRUBBING for 25% off. That's B-O-U-Q-S dot com promo code SCRUBBING. Books.com promo code SCRUBBING. SCRUBBING. 
You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like the gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh, every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts, real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I feel like therapy, in all seriousness, it wasn't something I ever knew I needed until I started doing it and I realized how much of an impact it had on my entire life. I think the thing with therapy that's so good is I think that everybody has an ego. We all think that our way is the right way and it's the only way when in reality there is no right or wrong way. And I think therapy really opened me up to that. Like I'm playing therapist in some of my relationships. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's right. How, that's how much therapy has helped me. Well, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited for your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash scrubbing today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash scrubbing. Thank God you reached out to Gabby and she was able to like put you on a, the right path. I think also sometimes people will try something and it doesn't work out and then they just feel like hopeless. So they're like, oh, I already I tried to do something, but it's yeah. like you have to keep going and you have to yes. keep trying different things and reaching out to people and asking more questions. And like, because there is a solution, you yeah. just have to really, you have to be your own biggest advocate. That you are so right, Tanya. You're, you really do. You have to have this inner belief that I, that I used to talk about on stage and still do that is louder it's like sorry it's quieter than the the voices in your head that are telling you that you can't beat something or diagnosis or that you're not good enough it's this little whisper in your heart like no 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 you will come out of this mm -hmm. you've got this mm -hmm. and you have to get quiet to listen to it and i knew that it was there i knew that the music i'd been writing in between my baby like birthing my babies was so powerful i knew that god had more for me and that i was going to come out of this i just didn't see the road up I yeah didn't, i was ready to do the work i just didn't know where to start yeah yeah but I did come out of it. And I, I do want people listening to know, like, my God, is there the most beautiful light at the end of any dark tunnel? It's it's painful and hard to find. But when the first little glimmer starts again, it's almost scared. to You're scared to trust it. And as you start moving towards it with bravery and continuing the work and continuing all the scaffolding you've put up, like. The light shines so much brighter on the other side. And so what is that light like? What does that future look like for you? 
I think I'm happier than I've ever been in my life right now. I can honestly say like I've integrated the dark that I used to be scared of looking at and the light. Mm -hmm. And I would always not stay on the surface. I mean, I was writing very deep songs that were very healing, but like when it came to my own demons, I would kind of stay away from them and be a little, um, what's the word? A little bit of spiritual bypass and be like, well, I'm just going to think positively, Mm -hmm. but you know what? That doesn't work. That doesn't work. I mean, it's mental health awareness month right now still as we're recording this. And like, when you are really facing demons, you can't just look away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's there. They are going to demand that you look at them and they're going to ruin your life until you do. So I really was able to do this incredible like work, looking at stuff all the way from my childhood till now and, and embracing it with the mother's love and saying, all of you is okay, Rachie, all of the selves. And it has been so incredibly healing. So I feel like I've integrated it and now I feel very whole. And coming back out with new music now, this record that I've just created, it tells the story of everything I've gone through. And it's almost like the hero's journey mm-hmm. of from dark to light and the surrender and the fall on your knees and the cry for mercy and then the trust again and then the rediscovering yourself and the ultimately deciding like, I don't care what anyone thinks anymore. Mm-hmm. I have a song called Set Me Free on the record and it's like, you know, I don't care what you think about me anymore. You know, I tried to make everybody happy and I almost lost my mind. So I'm going to set myself free. And I think as women, sometimes it, it's a scary thing to do from this place of people pleasing that we're mm-hmm. taught to do as yeah. nice girls. But ooh, it is it freeing when you finally put that mantle down and say, what is this going to stop? I'm yeah. 40 like or I'm 50 or I'm 30 or like, you know, whatever it is, enough living for other people and what they want me to be. I need to declare that I am my own advocate. I am my own best friend. I matter. I count what little inner Tanya and inner Becca mm-hmm. and inner Rachel needs. I'm going to take care of her first yeah. before mm-hmm. anyone, even before my own babies. Mm hmm. Yeah. So that you can take care of them. So you can <laughs> take be the best you can be for them. Right. It's like put your own oxygen mask on yeah, first. I yeah. never understood that as yeah. much as I understand it now. Like if I'm not okay, no one's okay. So yeah. as I get back out there with this music and this record, I really feel like I have so much to share with the world now. And if I'm granted the ability to have the platform I had last time and and the, you know, microphone in the way that I did, or even just a fraction of it, mm-hmm. I cannot wait to use it for good and to use it to not only encourage people to fight and like go after things and, but to also heal and mm-hmm. like nurture the the broken part of you and allow all of it because it's so important. Oof. Yeah. It's so important, especially in this society where I feel like it's just constantly go, 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 go. And like what you're saying is like, you felt you needed to go on tour because you had this momentum. And like, I think every woman feels that time, you know, like we, we feel that. Yes. Do you guys feel like that in your lives? Like that you just need to, I mean, I've been, a people pleaser my whole entire life. And I think just recently, I would say the last few years, I kind of, and and I don't know if that comes with age and just like knowing yourself better. You know, I wish in, I could say in my twenties that I was like, I'm not, I'm not going to be a people pleaser anymore, but that wasn't my story. Yeah. I feel like I constantly feel like I have to have another goal or another accomplishment. I have to be constantly kind of like in competition with myself. Yeah. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Yeah. And the people pleasing thing that you're bringing up, I wonder how many of us feel like that. I'd actually be so curious to hear from your audience. Like, I wonder how common it is yeah. that we all feel this. Yeah. If we're all feeling this. Why can't we just stop? <laughs> Not, like, right. Like, can't we just but but I don't know what it is. I'm I'm I wonder what it is. Why? Were we yeah. taught in like 
the nineties to be good girls. Yeah. And listen. We were, yeah. literally yeah. were. Yeah. We were taught right? to be yeah. good and, and quiet, quiet and nice yeah, and nice. chill nice. and kind yeah. to yeah. each other. And like, yeah. and right. We're, you know, you guys are here too. Do you feel the same way? Yeah. I'm wondering about younger generations, if they feel the same way we did. I don't know. And like, I, it, I just don't want my daughters to grow up that way. Yeah. I just want them to know that they matter too, that mm-hmm. their voice and opinion matters too. And I would silence myself so much because I wanted other people to be happy first. Mm-hmm. And it is, and it led to trauma, you know, like it wasn't that the postpartum came out of nowhere. That's what I've understood too. There were seeds mm-hmm. in me. There were like, there was things I hadn't addressed in my life. There was painful things that happened that I never really looked at. And so there were seeds of this, wow. like this stuff that wanted to raise its hand and get my attention that I wasn't giving a voice. I think that we're, I think there's, there is room to be kind and have your own power. And I yeah. think that yes. we were always taught that like, just be kind, be quiet, yes. don't be powerful. You know, I think that's kind of the, what we were taught to do. So I think it's the more conversations we can have like this, where yeah. you have your power back, but you got it because you went after it, you know, you, and you, also you hit rock bottom. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You hit, you, and you, you climbed out. Like, yeah. There was nowhere to go. Yeah. yeah. There was no lower to go. Yeah. I wrote a song that's going to be on the next record. It's called Mercy. And I wrote it in the middle of the night. And it was a cry to God. Like, what more do you want from me? I cannot imagine any falling any lower. And it is actually this celebratory, almost like Janis Joplin-esque, like, wail. It's it's so badass. And, and um, but the the pain that I hear now in the lyrics, it was like, you know, I thought I hit bottom but I'm keep fall. I keep falling and like, I don't understand this. So yeah, I did hit bottom and it, you know what actually changed my life too? I forgot about this was a conversation with my aunt, Cheryl. She had just lost her husband, my um, uncle, my dad's brother. And at the same time she was grieving, I was going through the second postpartum depression with my daughter. And I called her and I was also dissociating a lot at the time. I don't know if you guys know what that is, but it's, mm-hmm. Oh God, I don't wish it on my worst enemy. It's so, so scary and hard. And um, I called her one time and she found out what I was going through and I knew she was grieving. And she said to me, Rachel, she was tough with me. Everyone else had been kind of like a little coddling. kid gloves, yeah, coddling. Yeah. And she was like, Rachel, you have to save your own life. You have to be your own hero. No one is going to come help, help you. That's what I've learned from losing my husband. Like, there's no one at the end of the day. You come into this life like alone, you're going to leave alone and you have to be your own hero. So do one brave thing every day, whether it's going outside to smell flowers and putting on jeans. Like, I don't care what it is. You have to start to claim and take your life back. And I was like, that's from my song. <laughs> but, she, but it was, um, it was powerful. And I knew that I had to be accountable and um, writing and like, writing the rest of the music, the album mm-hmm. was the most healing thing. It was so incredible because I got to process. I feel so grateful that I'm a songwriter because I got this, this um, beautiful opportunity to heal as I was writing and yeah. like yeah. experience everything over again, but with perspective. Were there, are there songs from the album that you wrote before you got pregnant with Sophie that you were yes. saying? Oh, okay. Yeah. So those got co- to have, there's, those are having the moment. Those are having, okay. the, yeah, those, those will have their flowers. There's one called bad thoughts that I wrote about panic attacks and like refusing to let it take over you. And, and, um, and I didn't even know how much I would need those words until I had the second, you know, 
battle with my demons with Sophie's mm, birth. Yeah. But I wrote a lot of things like almost prophetically to myself. Like music became for me not what I thought the world wanted from me anymore because God, I did not have the luxury of worrying about that. Mm-hmm. I was having my own little battle. So it became what I needed. And I think it's the best thing I've ever done because it was similar to the way I wrote Fight Song. It was, what do I need for myself right now? Mm-hmm. How can music serve me? Mm-hmm. I love that. Wow. I love you. I'm so happy you came I on the podcast to share your story. Guys. Really, really appreciate you being here and taking the time and like being brave to Thank talk you. so openly about it. Yeah. Thank you so for much, sharing. Guys. I think it's going to help so oh, many yeah. people that are in the thick of it, you Thank know? You. And I am so grateful. Where can people fall? I know you're, you just mentioned TikTok. Yeah, new to Guys, Instagram. I have joined. I, am, I have joined. I'm, I've joined with a fervor or a yeah. fire in my bones. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like posting pretty frequently, frequently because it's fun. I thought it was really intimidating, but it's actually kind of fun. Yeah. Once you like the you fear of it. It's, yeah. yeah. You're like, oh, whatever. If no one sees us, no one sees yeah, us. Yeah. Then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm on there regularly at Rachel Platten and then on Instagram a lot. And then also on Facebook because I've got the older mamas, you know, I'm speaking to too. I love that. And this latest song that I have out is um, a love letter to all women and all girls. And um, after everything that we were talking about, like the people pleasing that I hadn't even really thought deeply about I am so glad to be able to put just three minutes of art into the world of an affirmation mm-hmm. to girls and women that you're enough as you are I love this song it's yeah. so sweet it's it so, so sweet. it's so powerful and we were saying like it it feels like it's also a love letter to your girls yeah and like to I can, girls it is, are yeah. everywhere to my yeah, yeah yeah to your daughters but and it also to, feels very universal yeah. too yeah it's like yeah. it's like to all women yeah. and, and to myself do you guys want me to sing it to you yeah <laughs> okay i'll sing you the verse <laughs> hope you always know your worth though i know that life can hurt hope you know that you can turn to each other hope you learn to trust your voice make mistakes and make some noise hope you never lose your joy or your hunger girls you were born to run to reach the stars and chase the sun. Girls, you are wild and free. The wind is at your back. The world is at your feet. Oh! <laughs> I a performance like that. I, I just want the women listening to get to feel to feel it. If they don't get to go listen to the whole song, I want you to just they know are gonna what go I listen believe. to the whole Thank song. Thank you for yeah. that. That was so special. So yeah, it was really special. It's the tone of voice I used to sing to my babies at night too. I was like, yeah, I felt so calm right there. <laughs> So yeah. it's safe. Yeah. Well, please come back <laughs> whenever, whenever you I'd are around. To. Please come back. I yeah. would love to. I love you guys so much. I feel love a real you. kindred connection. And thank you so much for allowing me the um, space and like safety to talk about stuff that is hard. Yeah. Thank you for being on the podcast. We love you and we're fans and championing you. And I know everyone listening to this is going to feel the same way. Oh, yeah. thank you, babe. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. I love you guys.
Presented by 21 Seeds. Hey, you know how we're always trying to keep our girls' nights exciting with new cocktails? Uh, yeah. Well, here's something that's going to flip the 21 Seeds infused tequila. Wait, you already know? Of course. 21 Seeds is an award-winning tequila infused with juice from real fruit. Yeah, so you only need two or three ingredients to make the perfect cocktail. But did you know that 21 Seeds is founded by two sisters and their friend? Sounds like there's a good story behind that for sure. So listen, if you love tequila, you have to try 21 Seeds infused tequila. Enjoy responsibly. 21 Seeds Diageo, New York, New York. Want to know where all the spring savings are this year? Ross, you'll find huge deals on all of the latest spring trends. Yes, at Ross, you'll find brand names for 20 to 60% off department store prices. You're definitely finding your next favorite outfit. We're talking about savings on your favorite shirts and tops. And it's spring, so you know Ross has savings on sundresses. And don't forget the sandals. From slides to wedges, find brand name sandals for less. Ross always has those for the low. And there's always a reason for a new purse at this price. Deals on handbags? Yeah. Hold my purse. Seriously, just visit your nearest Ross and see for yourself. Believe me, your wallet will thank you. So what are you waiting for? Say yes for less at Ross. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.